Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Last Journey podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, my good friend in the industry, Ashley Gonzalez. She is the education and marketing specialist with PLA, Paris Lash. I am sure you have all heard of the brand, and you have probably heard of her, too, because she has been all over the industry speaking at so many different events. She is just a beautiful person inside and out. Um, A lot of you might even know her husband known as the Lash Poppy. They um, both own a another brand together called Beautylicious, formerly Beautylicious, that is now transitioning over to the Lash Poppy. So she has so many hands in different things in this industry, which makes her the perfect person that I could possibly think of to um, bring on for marketing today. This episode is going to be Thank you. All, about, Thank you so yeah, much. all about marketing. So welcome, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I... I'm at PLA now, and so I'm here Monday through Friday, and I'm really excited to be working with the team. Like you said, like you've definitely heard of PLA, and so I feel really grateful to be part of the marketing team now because they've already done so many amazing things. So being a part of this team is, has been really like a huge blessing for me. Um, I love working with my husband. I totally do, but um, there's something about being a part of a team of people who really share the same vision and the same dream that you do. Um, I love my husband, but sometimes I felt like I was constantly trying to push him all the time. And here, I feel like everyone here pushes me, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when we had talked about this and talked about the transition for you, like my brain just like immediately lit up and I knew that it was such a good fit for you because honestly, out of all of the brands in the industry, PLA is the brand that I respect the most. I mean, Michelle is such an amazing leader. Caitlin is such an amazing leader Mm -hmm. as well and your personality and just what the brand stands for and everything I just saw Mm -hmm. that as the perfect fit so it's been really cool to see you just flourish there and grow and everything you guys have been working on um oh my gosh like I just I think the key word for me the the key word is like alignment for sure it's like they we're very similar that we have the same goals and so a lot of people have questions like why why would you do that you know and it's like why not for me it's not a why it's a why not yeah, no, I think it was a no-brainer. I absolutely love to see it. Thank so you. why don't you why don't you tell the audience, for those of you who don't know you, I'm sure a lot of you yeah. guys do, but for those that oh don't God, know you, why don't you why don't you talk about your story and your last yeah. journey, how you know how you got started, how you kind yeah. of moved through the different pivots that you made and where you're at now. Oh yeah, pivot. That word, that is my favorite word. Pivoting is probably I've been told that pivoting is my strong suit because you just, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's definitely, if if you guys don't understand what pivoting is, you need to take some time and really understand that that is what being an entrepreneur is, right? And so um, my story has a lot of that, a whole lot of just evaluating and adjusting and, you know, moving things around and seeing what works better. And um, one of the things about being on a lash journey is that as a lash artist, it's not just a, your lash journey. It's not just your professional journey. It's your like personal journey. It's your um, spiritual journey. It's like everything all in one. You know, your professional development really starts with personal development. And I know that every single road, you know, every single speed bump that I hit, every single struggle that I had, it led me to where I am today. And I have no regrets. And so for me, it started with makeup. I started doing makeup because I feel like a lot of people have the same story. I started out just playing with makeup and 
I fell in love with the way it would, um, I fell into makeup, by the way, I, I never had intentions of being um, a makeup artist, but I got really good at it. And people started asking me like, who does your makeup? Let me, you know, will you do mine? Before you know it, I was like, okay, I got to charge for this because it's costing me a lot of money to like buy a new product. And I kind of just fell into being a makeup artist after a while of being an unlicensed makeup artist because here, well, where I'm from in California, even as a makeup artist, in order to do a service, you need to have a bunch of licenses and things. And I was not following any of those rules. Um, And at a certain point, I realized that, hey, I could make a really good living off of this and I could put myself through school because my long-term goal was always to be a professor. I wanted to be in the education field my whole life since as far back as I can remember. First it was politics, but then it was education. And I knew like that was my calling was like to help people to learn and to grow and to mold them into who they were going to be. So for me, that meant being like a teacher. And then as I got older and I was in college, I realized like the elementary school system in the California anyways, isn't exactly what I thought it was. It wasn't rainbows and sunshine. And so I really pivoted and I decided that I would be a college professor that that was more like my vibe. Like I could, you know, bust balls with my students and like really have an impact in a way that I needed. And so that was the plan. So beauty school for me was just to get my license so that I could legally run my makeup business while in finishing university. But one thing led to another, you know, you learn lashes in beauty school, not very well, but you know, you take a lash course in beauty school. And I am one of those people that the last course, I, I remember looking at my tuition for esthetician school and seeing $3,000 for a lash course in there. And I remember thinking like, I don't even want to do lashes. Why do I have to pay that? Can't you just take that out? They're like, sorry, that's how it works. Like you have to. So when I saw that it was $3,000 of my $15,000 tuition, I'm like, I'm going to learn this. I don't care if I never use it, but I'm going to learn it because I'm just not going to waste my money. And I was determined and I, and I, you know, in order to learn, I had to do models. And then those models were like, um, can I get a fill? Like, can I, like, they wanted to keep coming back. And it just, again, I fell into becoming a lash artist. I had no intention of being a lash artist. And then I started making more money at doing lashes than I was making doing makeup that I had been doing for five years. And very quickly, I started making more money as a lash artist. And then one thing led to another. I got my first studio because I got tired of taking people. I'm Where I'm from is violent crime is very prevalent where I'm from. And so um, there was a shooting. Someone was murdered in my front yard. And that day I told Hakeem, I think I need to stop working out of my house. <laughs> like it was not, it was like during the middle of the day, it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like that my client could have been walking to her freaking car and there was a drive-by. So I was like, babe, I think I need to get, it's time. Like, it's time to, for me to get a place. So I got my studio still with the intention of just, my, I had just had my baby. So I was like, I'm just going to wait till the baby is old enough where I feel comfortable to leave her. And then I'll go back to university. But I started making more money than I ever imagined I could. Like, every time I talk about this, I get really emotional because like, I started making more money than I would have as a college professor. And that was crazy to me. Like, what? Like, and Hakeem was like, why do you really want to go back to school? You're already making more money. And you haven't even been trying that hard. 
like you're not even really trying like this has just been snowball effect of you being yourself and you're getting clients and you I was making more money than him and he had a barbershop with four barbers in it and I made more money than him by myself so Mm -hmm. I was like oh maybe I won't go back to college I don't know like so many things so many options and then before you know it I got tons of people asking me to train them. They were like, you're making so much money. You're doing so well, so fast. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like I know I wanted to be a, and I think maybe people knowing that I was always wanted to be a teacher and then combining that with the fact that I was doing well as a last artist, they kind of like deduced that I could teach them. Maybe, maybe that's why I got like such in demand for it. But at the time I was like, I've only been doing lashes for not even two years. Like I can't teach you. That's just wrong. You know, all the trainers at the time were the big, big brands. And so I'm like, I'm not validated enough to teach you. But what ended up happening is these people, this is what happens when people want something and they don't get it from where they want, they'll get it somewhere else. And so they were going and taking trainings from people that didn't have as much integrity as I did, didn't have as much experience in a classroom as I did because I did student teaching before that I you know I'd been in the classroom my whole life because that was my dream and I started seeing people just getting taken advantage of so yet again even though I didn't need to I did not I was making almost four grand a week doing lashes like I did not need to start training like that wasn't I was making more money than I ever thought I would in my whole entire life so starting to do trainings to me was just another job I'm like that's a whole nother thing like I don't want to start a whole nother thing. I have a good thing going. Let me just, you know, stick with this. But what was happening is they were going to, you know, Sally Sue down the street, taking the $500, watch me, and then I'll watch you class and getting screwed over. So I was like, starting to feel guilty now. I'm like, wow, all because I am afraid, you know, I, they're losing money anyways. And so that kind of trend, if you notice a theme of things happening, like I just do my best and I do whatever I'm doing really, really well. And I put my whole heart into whatever it is I'm doing and new opportunities just always came to me. And it was never like, I was never looking for more money. I was never looking for more freedom. Like people say, I was never looking for anything. The same thing happened. You know, I started training and then before you know it, people were like, wow, I think I had been training for like three years when people started asking me like business questions, a lot of business questions. And I was like, well, at the time, again, I had coaches, but I'm like, I can't be a coach. So I'm just going to start a podcast. I'll just start a podcast and it'll be a free resource. And I'll answer the questions I get asked in my DMs. Because to be completely honest, I was so busy with trainings, selling products, doing services that I didn't have time to sit on the phone and answer someone's question. But I also didn't feel validated enough to charge them for that either. So I was like, let me make a free resource. And whenever someone asks me a question, I'll just send them a link to the podcast so I can still helping them, but I'm not, I don't feel obligated to sit there with them for hours. You know, again, it was just a way for me to help people. But then from the, from the podcast, people were like, oh my God, I could listen to you talk forever. Like, can I, can you coach me? Like, I'm looking for a mentor and you're the person I want. And I'm like, I'm not a mentor. Like, I'm still going to be a teacher. This is supposed to be temporary. And that's just kind of the way things have always happened for me. And then same thing, I was, I last year I decided I'm going to really focus on my coaching. You know, Hakeem is doing the trainings now. He's dealing with the products. My husband started dealing with all of my duties and I'm like, well, what do I'm going to do with myself? You know? So I started doing lashes again and doing coaching again. 
side by side because I love educating and I love lashing. And then one day, you know, Michelle tells me, hey, can we talk? And now I work at PLA. And so my point is that like my journey is just a bunch of reassessments and pivots that came from just doing my best and like being the best person that I could be every single day. And I never, one thing I don't do, although I do like to plan ahead, I don't like dwell on, you know how they say like, know your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. I'm not saying I don't have ideas for those, but I don't like um, put them on a pedestal. Like this is what I have to be doing in five years. Like this is what this has to look like. I don't do that. I'm, I've worked really hard to kind of go with the flow and learn that things that come to you, like I'm one of those people, one of my favorite things to say is that I am in no position to turn down God. And so when God puts things in front of me, it's just, I'm not the kind of person to be like, nah, like this is not for me. I, t I really try to like take it in and say, Hey, like, what does that look like? If I, if I take that opportunity and what does that look like if I start this and I just do my best to try and assess it. And nine out of 10 times, like whatever God puts in front of me, I go for it. And I, and I see, and some things haven't worked. One of the things that didn't work for me was owning a salon along the journey of like becoming a very busy lash artist. I hired my husband, he started doing lashes. And then I had my best friend working with me. I had my sister-in-law working with me. And before you know it, I had like this family affair of lash artists, but I realized like I have, I still had a waiting list. So I was like, let me hire girls. But I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing what every other salon where I was was doing, which was like booth rent. And so I had no clue what I was doing and I shit the bed. I'm sorry, but I totally shit the bed. I didn't know what I was doing. Luckily, thank God, I'm still really good friends with all the girls who have ever worked for me. And there's no, like, they still buy our products. They, they refer us for trainings. Like, we still have a good relationship. But I saw the turnover rate getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Like, they weren't lasting long enough. And I'm like, this is a bad sign. Like, this is a, a sign that I'm not doing something right because I shouldn't have girls leaving me in three months and and in tears to boot. So I'm like, let's let's end this now before things get really bad. And I realized that salon was not something that you just do on the side. A salon is a whole like baby and a business. And at the time I had just launched my product line like two years prior. So I was in the infancy of that. And then I was, I had just started traveling to, to do courses. So I was like, I don't have the time and the energy to allocate for this baby who needs my attention. And so, like I said, not everything worked. Like I tried things that didn't work and salon was one of them. And I'm okay with that. Like I learned about myself in that. And I learned that if I ever do open a salon again, hypothetically, I'm hiring Tiffany first before I get there <laughs> and then I'll do it. But yeah, that's really my story is pivoting with keyword, just like constantly doing my best. And then people seeing that, I guess, maybe like that's what it sounds like anyways, is like people seeing that like, wow, she takes that seriously. And then here I am. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I even knew all the details of that story. And that's really funny because you <laughs> and I both kind of started very similarly, makeup artists and lashes just kind of mm -hmm. like, fell onto our lap like originally I learned lashes just so that I could have something else to offer to my brides to make extra money because I like I left yeah. my full-time job and I was just trying to hustle you know and then yep. I slowly or very quickly went from being like known as the makeup girl to like 
I'd be out and people would be like, oh, wait, you're that girl that does lashes. And yeah. it just kind of snowballed from there. And I didn't even plan on staying where I'm at in Delaware. It's just that, like you said, I was making such good money at the time that, you know, not a lot of people were doing this. Nobody I knew personally was doing it, was making that kind of money. And I was like, all right, well, let's just see how this goes. And I loved to do it. I loved mm -hmm. the interaction with the clients. And I, you know, I... It's funny because to me, the natural progression was the salon route where I like with you, you literally just naturally progressed in your own way. And this is what we see when, you know, there are so many different areas that people can focus on mm -hmm. in the industry, depending on what they like, what motivates them, yeah. what they're good at, what they get the most joy from. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one thing I'm noticing in your story too, it's like not only are you following your heart, but like you're remaining open for those opportunities mm -hmm. to present themselves. And so yeah. now you're in this amazing position. What are the what are some of the things that you've been focused on since your transition over these last months? Yeah, so um, since working at PLA, my top priority here has been to help them really, whatever their goals are, is to like find ways that I can pour into that. And so um, some of the big things that I'm allowed, that I can say that I'm allowed to say um, is that they really wanna go, like they really wanna come forward in the education space in the next couple of years. And because for, if you think of PLA, and this is something that, this is a conversation that I've had with them and I've had many times is that when you think of PLA, you think of, you know, friendly, giving products, you know, consistency, quality, um, cleanliness, integrity. Those are the things you think, at least anyways, that's what I think of when I think of PLA. And this was before working here. Like when I, that's what I associate, associate them with like um, innovation in, and just, a lot of good things, but one of the first words that does not come to mind when you think of PLA is courses, education. It may not be the first one. I'm not saying that they they have a great reputation of courses, of course, but like that's just not the top. You know, there's other brands out there that when you think of them, you think like classes, and I can't wait to take my next class with that brand. That's not exactly like the first thing that comes to mind with PLA. And that's something that we want to change. We, we're doing great on the product front. We're doing great with the private labeling. We've got where we're killing it in so many areas. But one of the areas that could, you know, could use some help. And the reason is Michelle is so busy. Michelle is like one of the busiest people in the world. Caitlin is just up there with her. Like they're so busy. And so as much as Michelle is passionate about education and so is Caitlin, like they want to help artists. It's like, when do you find the time? Like they, like, when are they supposed to do it? And so, because they are quite literally one of, you know, the most successful lash brands out there. So they're so busy on the product side and they've got so many incredible, incredible products like that are going to be coming out over the next year or so and things that we're working on right now that it's just like, as much as we love and value education here at PLA, it's like, that's all, like we said, it's a whole nother business, just like a salon, just like a lash supplies whatever each one is its own individual baby and the problem is that there's just hasn't really been a solid team that has the energy to be able to put into the education here and so that's where I come in is to really help the education branch of the company flourish in the with at the same hopefully trajectory as the product line has and everything else has um don't get me wrong their classes are sold out every month like they still they do really well with the beginner classes but what are my goal with them is to really tap into that advanced education market because that's where i mean in all honesty that's where the big sales happen as far as products go too like people that are just starting out beginners are 
you know, their average monthly order may be close to $80 or so. Whereas an advanced artist who takes, you know, six clients a day, mega volume, they're, they're tapping in at $500, $600, $700 of product every month. And so that's the kind of clientele that, you know, we want to tap into a little bit more than we already have. Don't get me wrong. We've got tons of salons. We've got plenty, but that's my goal is to really, when I want, when people think of PLA, I want them to think of like, when are they, when's their next class? When are they coming to a city near me? When it like, I can't wait, I'm going to travel across the country to go take that next advanced class. Like that's my goal for a PLA, my, my position here. Yeah, you know I'm gonna beg you to come to our new training space when it's open. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, like, yeah, for sure. like uh, honestly, like the East Coast is just like really lacking the community it's in general. On. Yeah, uh-huh. like it it is, and I think a lot of our artists still feel like very separated. I think it's been really cool for people around my area that have seen me you know, growing my career, seeing me mm-hmm. attend all of these things because a lot of them didn't even know that it even existed. You know, we're all like, yeah. remember back to before you started getting involved in events and stuff, we're mm-hmm. all just kind of like doing our own thing, whether it's out of our house or out of a salon or working at a salon and it is mm-hmm. very lonely. And so like my idea with the training space was to try to bring a little bit of that community, like Lash community collaboration together, but to give the artists access to more advanced classes without having to you know fly all the way to to california California, which exactly so i know it's it's, it's so true yeah i can't wait to be involved with you guys for that too um so in in moving into pla and Mm -hmm. with your experience with marketing for you know a smaller to mid-sized brand and now going to this huge huge you know huge brand yeah. What are the biggest differences? Because I, I do have some listeners who have started their own lash brands and stuff like yeah, that. So, sure. um, and and I have to say right now with the economy, I notice a lot of brands aren't doing so well. So what do you, mm-hmm. what do you do and what do you focus on um, yeah. and PLA in general? What are you guys focused on to make yourself stand yeah. out? Not that you have to do a lot of hard work with that. You oh, guys yeah. already stand out, but no, you know totally. what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do yeah. you like make sure that you are on the forefront of, what's Mm -hmm. going on right now in the economy yeah no i love that question because the truth is it really comes back to the the moral like the core foundation of what pla is it's like helpful you know integrity innovation right like that's that's the core of pla and so when it's it's the perfect answer is that our goal is to help lash artists make more money like even in these hard times like the the number one thing we talk about at pla in our meetings is like what can we do to help these people's businesses continue to like to not only stay in but like for them to really flourish even during these times because you and i both know like we're beauty businesses if you understand marketing if you understand client experience if you understand like back end of business we there's really not a whole lot of worrying that you have to do even during financial hardship times like i I don't really love saying that beauty businesses are recession proof but like the truth is they kind of are and to a certain extent now not all of them right but the people who understand business and they understand um you know just keeping re- recurring clients and you understand um all of your numbers on the back end like it kind of is a recession proof business because people will always need our services and i just don't see in the foreseeable future people stopping needing services now the way they buy and the way that they invest it's going to change over time. And it already is. We're experiencing that right now. Like 
what is making people buy things, both services and physical products has vastly changed from even like two years ago. Like even one year ago, I would argue like people's buying, their buying decisions are majorly altered. And so we're seeing that on our end too. And so something that we're, is at the forefront of our mind is like the top of our boards. It's like, what can we do to help them? Because when we help them, it, it comes back full circle, right? It's gonna, it's, if we help their businesses flourish, well, then they're going to buy more products. And so they're going to need, so our goal is to find ways and get creative with it to help artists stay busy, book them busy. That's really like what our plan is. And I think that when people see all the things that we have rolling out over the year, they're going to understand that's going to be very inherent for them. Like, oh, wow. Like I, you know, started doing this because PLA said we should, or you know, I started offering this because PLA helped me do it. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have made it through this time. And they're gonna, that's just the, really, really creating the culture of like loyalty and just helpfulness. And it sounds cheesy, but like, that's, that's really what it is, is helping people. And that's, what's going to make us stand out because in my opinion, and this is not me throwing shade, no shade, no tea, but like a lot of the brands out there that I see anyways, right now are looking kind of desperate and they're looking that the, the marketing strategies that they're using are very like um you know undercutting prices and just like just kind of just grasping for whatever they can get their hands on and they're they're using very outdated marketing techniques that maybe they'll work for the temporary but they're not cultivating loyalty and that's really what our plan our, our goal is yeah, I mean, you you just said it without saying it, but instead of actually just focusing on selling your product, you just turned everything and put it on to like, what can we do for the people? What can we do for the lash artists and for the people who are buying our products to uplift them? Because in turn, if we're pouring all of our energy into them, they're going to be happy. They're going to buy our product. So it's exactly. all this really great cycle. And even in, you know, the salon atmosphere or, you know, even for the solo entrepreneur who's working with their clients, it's like, stop posting, like book this service here, you know, book your yes. Lashville's pre-book. It's like, if you just switch your marketing focus to like what you're doing for the clients, whether, Irving. you know, serving, whatever that might mm -hmm. be, focus on that because the sales will naturally come. Exactly. I love that. People remember um, how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. um, you... You were also talking about with the recession, how things aren't, you know, beauty industry isn't completely recession proof. I do feel right now in our brick and mortar businesses, we are feeling it a little more often yeah. than not. Like I, I pay very Everyone close is. attention. Yeah. Like I, I pay close Everyone attention is. to my numbers and I'm like, oh my gosh, like in this month, even where we should be doing so much more than we were doing back in the spring. I mean, right. it's considerably lower so mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that if and and I, I will say a lot of my clients are feeling this too right now I'm sure a lot of your coaching clients are as well like what are the top things that they can focus on now besides what we just talked about right yeah. obviously yeah. pouring into or like yeah ways years. that they can do that Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you could yeah. give some advice to people on sure. what are some things that they can change now that can help them mm -hmm. even going into the holidays yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the things that I would say, for sure, top one, and, and this is, if anyone has ever heard me talk ever, they, they're probably gonna be like, wow, here's Ashley with her same old. But, you know, really focusing on a higher end clientele is just like the best thing I can, it's the number one advice I can give anybody is, 
Like I know it can be tempting to want to market to the quick sale, like and by, you know, making a quick 60 bucks and lowering your price, you know, lowering your lash sets or whatever it is that you do to like lower than anyone else in town. Because at the end of the day, it's still some money rather than no money, right? And I know I get the allure with that, but it, and it might sound like, oh, well, I'll just do it for now. And then later I, I won't. And it just doesn't work that way. And so I would say for sure, really learning how to tap into what makes more sophisticated buyers pull out their credit card. That would be my number one advice. And again, that's kind of what we're doing, right? Like that's what we're doing. We're pivoting even in PLA to really target more advanced artists. It doesn't mean we will drop our beginners. We really love our beginners there, you know, that we need so they need somewhere to buy from but the point is that you know making sure that you're really taking the time to learn about what it takes to market to lawyers um doctors um even you know stay-at-home moms who are married married rich like um you know entrepreneurs people who have more flexible schedules right and then um i i know that a lot of people this is a controversial one. That's the next one that I would say, but find ways to lower your bottom line. Like ideally, if you can get your overhead to be a little bit lower that I know it's, it's like people say, oh, you know, stop drinking Starbucks isn't going to save your life. You're right. Just the, just the coffee in the mornings alone won't. But if you can find ways to, you know, if you can move into a space that maybe isn't as expensive um, and you can get a place that's cheaper, or if you can, um, work with a product line like PLA and like to ask them about their wholesale opportunities, you know, it, that can drastically change, you know, your stress levels, which will give you more time to be able to put into marketing and stuff, you know, little things like that you might think don't, won't make a difference, but really saving money is going to make you less stressed, which is going to make you like your job more, which is going to make you have, give your clients a better experience, which is going to allow you more time to be able to market and they're going to do marketing for you as well. So even if you don't think of it as, okay, saving $600 a month isn't going to, you know, save my life, but saving $600 a month, that's like three full sets that you don't have to do anymore. That alone, that time you can now allocate and put it into your business and working on your business instead of in your business. So I would say lowering your overhead as much as possible. It's probably a weird one. Like I said, it's controversial because some people will say it doesn't work, but in my experience, it's not just the money that you're saving. It's the headache, it's the stress, it's the physical labor. It's where you can now put that energy. Um, and then one more advice that I would give if you're in a position trying to get clients and you're just feeling like it's not happening, um, I would say do some self-reflection. Like this is another, I'm like mean, I'm being mean right now, but like do some self-reflection and really see like how much time are you really putting into your marketing strategies? How much effort are you really putting in? Because the people that I work with, they have me to yell at them. And this is funny, like my coaching clients, I make them cry all the time. Like I'm that coach. I'm not the coach that's like going to hold your hand and be really friendly all the time. Like when you're not making sense or when you are just lying to yourself, like I'm going to call you out on it. And I've found that it's actually very common that people are spending more time absorbing content and comparing themselves to other people. And that's what makes them feel bad about themselves. That's what beats them down to the point where they don't want to create content. They don't want to send an email out. They don't want to go, you know, do outreach. They don't want to engage with people online because they feel terrible about themselves. But you kind of did that to yourself. And so instead of you know, this is mean, but like, instead of feeling sorry for yourself because of how hard things are, like, 
that takes energy to do. Self-pity takes energy. And if you take that energy and go, hey, what have I done this week? Like, write it down. How many people, how many times have I talked about my business when I was at the grocery store? How many people, you know, how many times did I get outside my comfort zone with my clients and ask them to send referrals? How many times did I really actively put effort into getting new clients? Because my guess is you're posting one to two times a week and you're not really even taking advantage of all the tools and resources that are available to you for free on social media. And more than likely, if you have Gloss Genius Square or whatever it is that you use to book, you probably pay for a membership that allows you to send a couple emails per month. And you're probably not doing that. You're probably not taking advantage of, um, you know, having a small ad spend on Google or Yelp, even if it's $50 a month, you're probably not doing that either. And so there's so many things that really don't take a lot of money and don't take a ton of time, but you're not doing them and you're not getting the results. And so really take some time to see like, you know, come up with some inventory, what you're doing. Cause if you're not spending, if your month, if your books are getting slower and slower, what does that tell me? You've got more and more time, you know, as your books decrease, your time increases. So you should be applying that time if you want clients. And if you don't, and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Well then, okay, go get another job. Like do something else. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with every single one of those points. And even going back to the second point with, you know, I, I don't think that's controversial to watch for your bottom line and figure out ways that you can strengthen yeah. it. I mean, I'm, you guys, I'm always constantly doing that even in my own business and like not to plug PLA because, but you know, here I am, um, Why not? Uh, even in my business, I don't even think you know this, Ashley, but like we're actively, um, we're actively like testing and trying PLA in our salons now too, because not only, um, you know, yeah, I don't even think I told you that. So, so we're cool. actively testing it and we're looking to bring it on as our brand in the salon, not only because, you know, of course it's going to help the bottom line. We're looking to possibly retail it out of our, um, out of our new oh, training facility so cool. too, but you know, I, I like to, I like to support brands that I believe in. And I, and like, you guys don't even know yeah. the whole backstory of like Michelle yet and like what she believes in and how she helps so many people over in Vietnam. Like the whole brand is freaking amazing, but they have really great yes. products too. So going back to mm -hmm. how you can save, if you can find a brand that you really like and that you align with and that your girls align with, if you are running a salon, think about how much money you could save on that end by partnering with a brand like that. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, take that $600 a month that you might be saving, put that towards something that maybe you're procrastinating like if mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time with social media that's six hundred dollars a month that you could be putting towards somebody helping you create content or somebody yeah. coming and taking video for you or google mm -hmm. ad spend anything like that or so, a coach or a coach yep so <laughs> i mean th like think about it so always be looking out for stuff like that too i think th those were all really great points thank you ashley thank you I appreciate it. I didn't even, I didn't even pre-plan that. That was off the top I know, of right? Look at, look at there. Okay. So last question, because now yeah. you are, you are kind of like splitting um, marketing strategy and like planning and all of that with a yeah. team. You're working with a team. Like what are yes. the biggest differences between like, again, obviously I have a lot of salon owners who are looking to yeah. motivate their teams. And I'm yeah, sure that you team. have to do a lot of motivating and that sure. too. Like what are some ways that you can kind of split S some of those um requirements aren't the word like um split some of the like load the workload the, the duties yeah um, yeah the duties so like how, cool how do you work things, with a team 
yeah, so that's actually something that we've actually recently um, implemented here. Like PLA's done so amazing already as it is. Um, but I think, I mean, they've gotten this far doing just with hard work, dedication, and just like inspiration and like a love and a passion. Um, but like I said, we have new goals for the new years. And um, same thing like with me and Hakeem, like we have our own goals and we've got things we want to work on. And something that I feel like is commonly um a common mistake that is made with people with teams is that we like to give away. I know, and people say this all the time, like give away the things that you don't like to do, right? That you don't like to do. And in theory, it sounds really good and I, I get it. And I don't, and I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing to say, but be strategic and intentional about who you're giving which task. So I would love to say like, okay, you know, so-and-so, I don't want to out them, but like so-and-so likes to do this, so-and-so likes to do that, so-and-so likes to do that. But the problem is what if that's not what they're best at? Like, like I get the concept of doing what you love, but I have a philosophy of I love what I do when I'm good at what I do. So as much as I love, for example, I love reading. I love reading. I really, I love reading. I have books around me all the time. I'm an audiobook person. I'm a Kindle person. I'm a have a physical book right here like I'm a book person <laughs> right but I don't know how that would pay me I don't know how that would really like do anything for me I'm pretty sure I could probably figure it out but within this title within this business that's really not going to benefit me as far as getting paid to do it and so just because you like to do something doesn't necessarily mean that's what you need to put all your energy into you should still do it I will continue to read um, and so the same thing goes for a team like with Hakeem and I when we first started selling products back many years ago and he came on the team and he was helping me, he really likes um, packaging orders. He's a guy. He, he likes things that are machine, robotic, like just very like repetitive, right? A lot of men tend to be that way. It's just like, give me a job, tell me what to do, where do things go and I'll do it. And that's what he likes. He likes mindless tasks. And um, the funny thing is though, a lot of times things that you may think are mindless tasks actually aren't. And so, for example, fulfilling orders, doing inventory, um, things like that, dealing with like he was basically like the sourcing and buying specialist for us because those were like monotonous things that didn't take a lot of like strategy. So we thought. And so he kind of fell into that role because he liked it. And even though I didn't necessarily like being the face of the brand back when we were Beautylicious, like even though I didn't like it, um, I was kind of good at it and I did the job um I I did enjoy connecting with the people I did enjoy that part I liked creating things like to help them but what we realized at a certain point and from reading books actually from reading a book I realized that um I'll plug it rocket fuel I read this book like four years ago and I realized like okay I am not I don't perform my best in this role although I can do it and I don't absolutely hate it. I don't perform best in the visionary role and the person to be the face of the brand. I don't perform the best there. Um, and same thing with Hakeem. He was doing the job, but he was messing up a lot. He kept messing up. He wasn't putting the tenderness into packaging the orders the way that I used to. And that really does affect the longevity of a customer in our company is their experience, not with just the buying experience, but even with like getting the product and everything. And we started realizing that we were having some dips and we played around with switching the roles and that's really when our brand like took off. It took off when Hakeem was in the front and I was in the back because I was able to execute things with, with care and with strategy and, and with intention a lot more than he was because he was so robotic. And then he creating content at this point now has become almost robotic for him too. So it's like, okay, this is what needs to get done. So basically what I'm saying is like a big mistake I see is people just 
putting people in positions to do what they like to do. And I know that sounds good and it sounds nice, but if you really want to have a well-oiled machine of a business, you have to put people in the positions that they perform the best in. And so what they're the best at. And so we need to leverage those strengths. I would say that's like a big one for making a team work. And that's something that we're doing at PLA as well. We're really restructuring the way we do everything so that everyone's working in a capacity that they're that they're really good at. And the cool thing is, even if at first, maybe we'll get some moans and groans, the truth is when people start seeing like the their efforts get into fruition and see like how much, like how much impact they're making, they're, it, you're, it's just inevitable for them to be fall in love with it. You're gonna fall in love when you're producing and you're making a difference in the company that you work in. So that's something big, I would say, make sure you're giving people duties that they perform well in and that give the most impact to the company. And then my other advice to people with teams to motivate them would be to be very specific. And this is like something that I tell people in my coaching all the time. And I talk about here and I do, I started from the day I started here is I think sometimes we have a tendency as leaders to want to just be very general with the way we, um, we uplift people, right? Like we're so busy when you run a salon and when you have moving so many moving parts in your business, you don't have a lot of time. So when you see someone do something well and you want to start doing more positive, you know, reinforcement, sometimes we say things like, you're killing it, you're rocking, you're amazing, I love you, you're the best, right? And as much as that feels good, like a little dog getting your, you know, head pat, um, like it feels nice, but it really doesn't give context as to what I'm doing well. So I don't really know. And something that's really, really important when you have a team is to be very hyper specific on what they did well and why it was so great and why you noticed it and how it helped. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I, I can't speak to, I can't even tell you how much of an impact I've seen it make with the team that we have already here is like being very specific, like, Hey, that was awesome what you did, because, you know, when you implemented that new thing that you thought of this look what the effect it had. And now we're going to be able to do this because of you. Like when you really like get down to the levels and explain like, this is why what you did was amazing. It, guess what? That person's going to take ownership of that now. And they're going to be like, that's who I am. I'm that person. I'm the person that thinks of things like that. And I'm the person that is going to do that from now on. So anytime there's a, there's an opportunity for them to do that same thing again, that you, you know, really made them realize that they're great at, they're going to do it again. But if you just say things like, oh, that was, you're so great or you're awesome. They don't know why. And so it feels good for a second, but it doesn't have as much impact as, and I learned this by the way, more through being a mother than anything else. I learned as a parent that you have to be really specific, especially with young children. Positive reinforcement is great, but if you want it to have longevity and you want it to be deep and you want it to become like a part of who that person is, you have to be really specific. I freaking love that. That was like even a good yeah. reminder and lesson for me too, not only as a business owner and leader, but as yeah. a mom. So it's been mm -hmm. amazing having you on here, yeah. Ashley. Can you let everybody know where they can find you? Yes, of course. Um, So I am here at PLA. My Instagram handle, I'm, I'm growing my new Instagram. So I would love it if you guys would follow me there. My name is Ashley G PLA. Um, and I will be at a few conferences this year, which I'm really excited about. I'll be teaching at IBS. I'll teach you at class IBS. And then I'm going to be at LashCon this year, um, with PLA. So anywhere PLA is, at, you know, Lash conferences, you'll see me there. Um, and then I'll be here in Reno the rest of the time, but feel free to, um, check out my podcast. We don't post as frequently anymore now that I'm here at PLA, but there's a lot of good stuff, mostly for solo artists. That's really who I mostly work with. Um, and that's. Teamlicious podcast.
Yes. And I've actually been honored to be a guest. It was one of the first industry podcasts I went on. So thank you guys for having me too. Yeah. But I, I was just really glad to um, be able to have you on here to tell everybody when I guys, when I think of not only who is like integrity, like that's the best word I can think of when I think of Ashley. She's an amazing coach. She is amazing with her people. And if you are an independent artist and you're just kind of unsure of where to go reach out to her and just talk to her she's an open book yeah. um so 100%. anyway i cannot wait to see you i know i'll be seeing you at least at lash boss in april right for sure at lash boss yeah i'm trying to still work my schedule to get to the party next month but we'll see yeah 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 i know i was i'm gonna beg her to get to dream boss dream boss yes. guys but anyway all right ashley thank you and i will talk to yeah, you soon welcome. bye all right, bye